as a church, we're walking through the gospel according to Mark. Sam is one of our life group leaders, and he asked me if we were going to be in Mark for 30 years. Maybe. We'll see. It's not going to be that long, but it's going to take a while. Mark is known for being a fast-paced writing. Mark uses the word immediately a lot. He uses the word immediately more than all the other three gospels combined. And he writes with a sense of urgency. In fact, he opens up right out of the gates with the gospel. He says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right from the, right from the get-go, the, the, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The word gospel was a word they would have been familiar with to his original audience. It was the word euangelion. You say that with me? Euangelion. All right, let's try it one more time. Let's get you like a Greek degree real quick. Ready, Jay? Ready? Help me. Euangelion. All right. So it meant good news. It was something they would hear from the emperor or maybe from the military messenger. So if there was a, if there was a battle going on and they had won, they would come back and they would tell them the euangelion. I've got good news. We won a battle for you. Maybe it's the emperor saying, I've got good news, I've raised your taxes, or whatever emperors thinks are good news, right? And so they were familiar, that was funny by the way guys, I know that's not good news, alright? So, like what kind of crazy guy is this, right? So they were used to that. There would be a messenger that would go out and share the good news with the people. And Mark is opening up the Bible by really saying this, you know there's, you've heard of good news, but I have the good news. In fact, I have the best news ever. So he opens up by really saying, pay attention. If we're going to look at the book of Mark, pay attention. Because the best news ever is this. It's Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the promised Messiah. The promised Savior of the world. He's the Son of God. He is here. And then we see John the Baptist come on the scene, right? See him come on the scene and he's proclaiming and and preparing the way for Jesus and his upcoming ministry. And he's baptizing people that are turning back to God and confessing their sins. By the way, it's a different baptism than we've had today. It's still the same. They immerse, come up and out of water. We're going to do that later today, right? Just anybody want to just jump in, right? But we're going to baptize. But ours is we're saying we've trusted in Christ. We're followers of Christ. This is them saying we're preparing our hearts for Jesus and we are repenting and and turning back to God. And so he's out there baptizing and, and doing his thing. And, and people are confessing and turning back to God. And then we see Jesus step on the scene. And Jesus gets baptized and, and he heads out into the wilderness after that. And that's what we looked at last week. Jesus is, is sent out into the wilderness, further into the wilderness, uh, to be tempted by Satan. And the good news is, is Jesus defeated Satan in that battle. Right? And we know, we know uh, from the end right, that Jesus won every battle. But he walked away. Uh, from that temptation without sinning. Wouldn't we like to be able to say that? Man, we've walked away. I, I'll tell you this. I had one yesterday. It was a temptation. I, w- I walked. That doesn't always happen, does it, right? Sometimes we just mess up. But Jesus walked away without sinning. And then we come to our text today in Mark chapter 1. If you guys have a Bible, there's one at the end of your row. There's some on the, the floor under some seats. But grab that Bible if you need one. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, or if your kiddos need a Bible, that's our gift to you. We've got plenty. Mark chapter 1. So it's in the second section of your Bible, you got the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's the second book. And we're going to look at 14 through 20. Let's, let's read that together. We're going to read the first couple verses together in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after John had been taken into custody, we'll talk more about that in, in uh, chapter 6 when we get there, but he's arrested, he's taken into custody. 
It says, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee. So he's, he's done with the temptation. He's coming into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let's, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for our time of worship that we just get to, just to stand up. We have the freedom to stand in here and just worship God, to make much of Jesus. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would do that today. God, be with us as individuals, be with us as a church to hear your word, apply it to our lives, and to live like you, God. So we give today to you, we ask all this in Jesus' name, and everybody that agreed said, amen. So Jesus comes into Galilee, and the Bible tells us that he's preaching, or really proclaiming, the gospel of God. The gospel of God, think about that, God sees our condition. He knows the mess we're in. Right? That we are dead in our sin and unable to save ourselves. Romans 6.23 tells us the reality of our eternal situation. Right? If you know that passage, sin is, sin is not just something. We look at sin like this. Sometimes it's, it's just something that happens in life. But sin, even one little sin, has eternal consequences. Right? You know what sin is? It's a rebellion against our creator God. That's what sin is. It's a rebellion against our holy God. And so in Romans 6.23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death. What we deserve because of our sin is death. Eternal separation from God in a place of of eternity called hell. So what we deserve because of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God the Father sends Jesus, which is God the Son, to be the Savior that we need. Right? Jesus came to live and he came to shed his blood and to give his life and die for you, for for me, for the forgiveness of our sins. And then he rose again, defeating death. The gospel of God is the good news of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Young people, help me out here. You guys know John 3.16? Let's say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. It's the good news from God that's now being revealed in Jesus. Jesus is proclaiming the gospel, and Jesus really is the gospel, right? He is the good news. He's out proclaiming and telling people, this is who I am, and here's what I came to do. Here's your mess, here's why you need me, right? In verse 15, we see Jesus say this. He says, the time is fulfilled... And the kingdom of God is at hand. In the Old Testament for years they were told a new king is coming. Salvation, a savior is promised to you. And now what we have is is Jesus is now here. He's the new king, right? He's the Messiah. He is the promised one. And when it comes to Jesus, people are confronted head on. He's here now, right? There's a confrontation head on. The kingdom of God is at hand, he says. You must respond, church. Right? He's telling them, we're, we're saying that today, you must respond to Jesus and his reign and salvation. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Here's the thing, we're all going to bow and claim Jesus is Lord. We're either going to do it now or we're going to do it later when it's too late. Are you with me? Amen. Good, good word, Jeff. Would you guys help me out here? Amen, right? right? So what? somebody told me that I give people amen anxiety. Who was that? There she is, the Birch family, all right. 
What will your response be? What was their response? What should our response be? Well, Jesus lays that out for us. He makes it really simple. Jesus gives his hearers not two options. He gives his hearers two commands. He doesn't say, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now be a good person. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Try really hard. The kingdom of God is at hand. Go and make your good outweigh your bad. We don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Ever in Scripture. I don't know where that came from, who who started teaching that. We just don't see that. We are not good enough. Amen, church? I know that's hard to say, but we got to know that. Right? Jesus doesn't say that. He He doesn't say try harder or have your good outweigh your bad. He doesn't say that. He says, here's what he's saying. You're a sinner. Right? And you're in big trouble. But... There's good news. You are so loved by God. And I'm the one that has come to take away the sins of the world. I have come to be your savior. I'm the one that brings forgiveness. I am Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is at hand. And then Jesus gives the proper response to him in the gospel. He says this, repent and believe in the gospel. That's the proper response. The word repent is a word that means there is a change in direction. Right? Young people means this. You're heading this way. And if we repent, it's, it's visualized by this. We turn and we go this way. It's a, it's a change in direction. It's a change in your mind that leads to a change in your behavior. Jesus is saying, you've got to repent. You've got to turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus, the Savior. Right? Turn from you being your God. Turn from the world being your God. And turn to Jesus as your Lord and God. Now here's the thing. This isn't a politically correct call, right? Jesus steps on the scene. I wonder how well he'd be received in America, right? Jesus steps on the scene and he says, listen, the kingdom of God is at hand, right? Time's fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm here. Now you need to repent and believe in the gospel. I, Jesus, I don't know about that. You've got to give us more options. We're, we're Americans here. We have rights. Jesus says you have choice, Right? It's not a socially acceptable statement. Jesus, here's, here's the great news though. Jesus didn't come to be, be politically correct or socially acceptable, did he? He came to be our savior. Amen, church. Amen. Man, we get so wrapped up in what feels good and what feels right and what we want to hear and what hurts our feelings. Jesus says, you don't need me to do any of that. You need me to tell you the truth. You're a sinner. You're lost. I'm here because I love you. And, and, and here's what you need. You need to trust in me. He didn't come to fit in with the world. He came so that through him we could have eternal life. You and I are more important than lining up with proper protocol or political social standards. So he lays it out there. Jesus is calling for your heart to respond to him. That's what's happening. By turning away from your sin, stop trusting in the world, stop trusting in yourself, and trust in Jesus as the gospel, or just in Jesus and the gospel. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. So turn to him and turn away from sin. Believe in him and the gospel. There's a buddy of mine that's actually a seminary president. He's an author named Danny Aiken, and he wrote, wrote this. He said this, repentance notes that we turn from sin. Belief highlights what or whom we turn to. When we repent, we are showing that we're turning from our sin, but what we turn toward and who we turn toward is where our belief lies. We might turn away from one sin and turn to another, right? We might, you get, you get what I'm saying? 
Jesus is commanding that we turn toward him and live in a state of repentance and trust him and the gospel. This is a lifetime call, church, to, to keep our eyes on Jesus and trust in him. Would we say this is, this is radical, right? We look at that and we're like, oh, that's a big change, man. This is, he's calling for a radical transformation in your life. And it's necessary because we're bound and destined for hell. And he's saying, man, I've got something better for you. But often we want to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to repent but I'm going to give you a 90-degree turn instead of 180. We do that. I want to hang on to this, Jesus. I, I, don't make me give this up. Amen, church. We do that, right? Don't, uh, instead of that 180, we hang on to some control instead of fully, fully turning to Jesus. We got those bumper stickers that says Jesus is our co-pilot. Throw those things away. Jesus never meant to be your co-pilot. Jesus, we deserve to be like in the, in the bathroom in the back of the plane, man. We're just lucky we're on the plane. But even if we're sitting next to him, even if we're the co-pilot, we're, we want to reach over there and steer that plane a little bit. But here it is, church. There's a new king in town, and he rightly commands that we follow and trust him. And let's be honest. For us, if we're honest, that's really good news for us. Because without Christ and his good news of salvation, for you and me, we're lost. That's the reality. We're lost, separated from God for eternity. The one that designed us to be with him, we will be separated from him without Jesus. Chained to our sin and destined for hell. So yes, Christ commands it, but we have every reason to obey that call and pursue Christ. And we have no reason not to. So Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Right? Because he's the change we need. He's the change the world needs. Man, look at Twitter. Look at Facebook. Look at the news today. The world needs Jesus. Amen? Man, if we, if we can't say that resounding out loud, man, we're, we're missing something. Right? We're missing something. Can you guys hear me? Am I on? Okay. Maybe I need to talk louder? All right. No. I'm being told no. Repent. And believe in the gospel. He's the change we need. He's the change the world needs. But he brings more than just change. He brings hope. He, he gives us a future. He gives us eternal life, forgiveness, and salvation. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe that God loves you and sent Jesus to die for your sins. And then when we look at verse 16, we see a little bit of transition. Right? Jesus is starting to put together his team. He's starting to... We're seeing him call people to himself as followers. Let's read that together. Verse 16 through 20. As he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately, there's that word immediately again, right? There's that sense of urgency. Jesus says, I'm going to follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther. He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat, and with hired, left him with the hired servants, and went away to follow him, to follow Jesus. What we have here is this, church. Jesus is making a personal call to follow him. He looks at Simon. He goes to Andrew, and he says to them, follow me. It's a personal invitation. James, John, follow me, right? Throw your name in there. Jeff, follow me. We know for, for, for these first two, this wasn't the first time uh, that, that Jesus 
had that interaction with them. They knew each other. They, they, they knew, Jesus knew them. They knew him. We know that from the book of John. But there wasn't that personal relationship. They, there was, that personal invitation to follow Jesus happens at this point. But they were aware of Jesus and the message and the gospel. And Jesus calls them and they respond to who he is and to follow him. Here's the thing. Even today, Jesus is calling us personally. He is. He's calling us personally. I love sitting down with people and just listening to God's calling on their life. The moment when they responded to Jesus and were saved. You ever done that? You guys ever just reflect on the moment you came to Jesus? I mean, what a great experience it is. Y'all should be smiling right now if you know Jesus. I mean, that should like bring nothing but joy to your face. That's the biggest day in your life. But we're all different, amen? You look at the next person. I mean, you can look at him and say, man, you are different, right? You're different, man, right? Chuck, I don't know, man. But we're all different. We're all in different places of life, different ages, different families. We work in different places. We have different personalities. Even if there's another person that's a whole lot like you, maybe a brother or sister, you are still uniquely you, right? You're still uniquely you. And Jesus gives us that personal call where you are to follow him. Wherever you are in life, he gives you that call. And I like the details we get here out of the book of Mark about these men. They're fishermen, right? This is what they did for a living. And as fishermen, they had responsibilities. This was their job. We see Simon and Andrew, they're casting out the nets. You go down a little bit further, James and John, a little bit further down in a boat, they were, they were mending their nets, putting them in order. For them, it's, kind of, it's always interesting. Any historical people in here? I know we got some people in here. It's just interesting to... Jay, that's when you raise your hand. You're a historical guy, right? We got historical people, right? And here's what they would do. They would, they would have these nets that were about 20 feet in diameter, Right? And they were, they were circular in shape and they would have like weights on the outside of this thing and they would cast the nets out either from their boat or from wading in the water. And that net would just expand out kind of like a parachute and land on the water and that weight would bring the, the net down. None of this is important but it's just exciting to me, right? And it brings the, the net down and then you'd have a fisherman that dive in and he would, he would either close that up or he would drag it into shore. So these fishermen, they all have their roles, right? They, they were just doing life. They were, they were doing their job. Fishing was a big deal. It was a thriving business. It was a good job to have. In fact, fish was their staple food. Sometimes maybe fish should be our staple food. Maybe it would be a little healthier, Right? Different people have different staple foods. That was theirs. And they would not only sell it in their local markets, but they could take that fish and sell it in other markets. It was a big deal. It was a good job to have. It helped them take care of their family. And here's what we see here is this. Jesus, he meets these individuals where they are doing what they do. Right? In their life. He meets them in their life and he says, hey, John, follow me. He calls them personally to follow him. With these men, they're just out doing daily life. They're just doing their jobs. And Jesus calls us sometimes, man, I, I don't know where everybody was at, or maybe you haven't trusted Christ. Man, there's a reason God has you here today. I just want you to know that. No matter who you are, there's a reason God has you here today. But, but maybe, maybe you're at your lowest. Maybe there's been a death. Maybe a job loss, or you're at a great time of need, and, and, and you meet Jesus, and somebody introduces you to Jesus, and we, and we decide to follow him, and we're saved. And sometimes, like what happens here with the fishermen, sometimes he calls us in our daily life. They're just out there fishing and he calls them. But notice this, Jesus doesn't say, follow me to this place or to that place. Right? He, he doesn't give them all the details. 
Anybody like roadmaps and details? Me and my wife, I'm just going to let you know, you come into my house and you see, like, I'm with you guys. Like, you, you, on my refrigerator, we have everything we're going to eat that week. We're detailed people. Like, we know what we're going to have for a side that day. Any, anybody else up crazy like that? Okay, all right. It helps us, you, you do, you do the grocery shopping, I bet, right? And so, so he, he doesn't give them the details, he calls them to live as he lives and go as he goes. We're going to sing a song about that later, right? Remember, he's already stated that we are to repent and believe in the gospel, to turn to Jesus and place our faith and trust in him and his gospel, and so he gives them the invitation. And I also like this, sometimes I think we can easily miss this. Hear me out. Jesus doesn't give them a checklist. He doesn't say, hey guys, go and do this and then you can follow me. He doesn't say that, right? He doesn't say, you've got to do this and this and this and this and this and then you can follow me. He doesn't say, go get your Jesus degree and then you can follow me. Get your life in order, do these things, and then you can have a relationship with me. No, because we'd never be able to have a relationship with him. He simply says, dude, do that. Like, right? Come and follow me. Let me lead you. Let me teach you. Sit with me. Be with me. Trust in me. Serve with me. Follow me. And we see that personal call from Jesus to follow him, to have that belief and trust in him. So we see that first, follow me, and then we see his next words. In verse 17, we read, follow me, read this with me, church, and I will make you become fishers of men. Notice that his words were not, go and be fishers of men, then follow me, right? He doesn't say that. There's, a, there's an order, right? Mark chapter 3, verse 13, we see Jesus do this. And he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he wanted, and they came. So he's about to, he's appointing the 12 disciples, But look at verse 14, it says, and he appointed 12, why? So that they would be with him. And that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons and he appointed the 12. The call, church, is to be with him first. To follow him, to be with him, to trust in him as as Jesus, as, as, as your Lord, believe in the gospel and then go and do. And what a sweet call to be invited into a personal relationship. A call to be with him and follow him, the savior of the world. The Messiah, the one that came to save us, is calling us personally. Young people, that's pretty cool, huh? Like Jesus, the one that came to save us, is saying, hey, come and follow me, right? Come and be with me. He says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Here's the, here's the reality. We aren't fishers of men without first responding to Jesus and following Jesus and being with Jesus. Are you guys with me on that? He calls us to follow and then he will make us fishers of men. He says, be with me and then I'll send you. Are you guys with me? We must first be with Jesus and follow Jesus if we really want to do what he's called us to do. Otherwise, here's the thing. I may have to explain this, but otherwise we are acting out of religion and not out of a relationship with Jesus. Right? We're doing it because we have to or because it's the religious thing to do as as opposed to say, man, I'm doing this because I love Jesus and he's living through me. Are you guys tracking with me? Does that make sense? Too often we get that out of order. We get excited, but Jesus says, hey, wait, follow, follow me. Even to his 12, he says, be with me. 
and then go and do. So follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Because it's Jesus that prepares us. It's God that prepares us to do what we do. Right? I only get to do what I do because of God. Amen, church? Like you guys have the giftings you have because of God. The Holy Spirit has given you those if you're saved. Are you guys with me? So we got to lose that kind of attitude like, man, look at what gift I have. Like, I get to do this, man. Are you with me? Man, it's all about Jesus and what he does. So he's the one that prepares us. In our text today, we're, gonna, we're only looking at these four men right now that Jesus is calling. But eventually, young people, I need your help. Are you guys ready? Jesus is about to call his 12 what? Disciples. Say that with me. Jesus is going to call his 12 disciples. All right. And Jesus is going to teach them. Why? Because a disciple is a student. It's a learner under their teacher. So he's going to teach them. He's going to show them. And as they do life with him, as they are with him, right, they were, they were to be with him, follow him, learn from him, and he would make them to become fishers of men. You young people know that song? I will make you fishers of men. You guys know that song? No, okay, I'm the only one. All right, so parents, you got to help me out next time, man. Just, but, but we become like who we behold, don't we? We become like who we behold. Man, I think about this. You got LeBron James. I don't know. I, MJ's the man. I'm just saying. But, but you got these kids like, man, I want to be like him. And so they dress like him. They practice like him. They, they do what he does because they want to be like him. How, are we doing that with Jesus? Right? Are our eyes on him? Are we looking at his life? Are we seeing? And that's why we're walking through the book of Mark because we get to see the life, the life of Jesus. I'm about flattening my face there. And I love, I just love this. We see God continually call ordinary men and women and young people. Ordinary people, right? And he uses them for his glory. We see God call David, right? A a young shepherd boy, the youngest of the family, the least powerful and the least valuable to them. And God uses David in some mighty ways, doesn't he? God uses Peter. Anybody relate to Peter, man? That dude puts his foot in his mouth. I mean, he gets all the way up to the knees sometimes, man. He He just says some dumb things. Right? He puts his foot in his mouth. He, he, just, he acts before he thinks, but God uses him greatly to advance the gospel in the church. Are you guys you with me? And it doesn't matter what your past is, what your rank is, what your education is. If we trust Jesus, he's calling us. We respond to Jesus and the gospel and we follow him. Church, he can do so much through your life. If we simply trust in him and say, here's my yes. I'm going to follow you, right? I'm, I'm going to follow you. I think of Paul. We look at Paul and we're like, man, you are one, you're a stud, man. You are like, you're like the Bible guy. You, God used you to write some books in the Bible. You, you led people to Christ. You planted church. I'm a church planter. I get it, man. He's like my hero, right? He's a missionary guy. But here's the reality. Before he was a great man of God, he was a persecutor and murderer of Christians. He murdered the people God loved. Right? And Jesus changed his life. In fact, Paul says later in his ministry, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's a big call because he's following Jesus, right? He spent time with Jesus. He learned from Jesus and he was used greatly by Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are in life, if you're out casting nets in a boat or if you're working on a car, if you're a doctor or whatever it is, man, God can use you if he's, Jesus is calling you into a personal relationship with him and he will use you. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and say, well, who am I really without Jesus? Are you guys with me? Let's look in our non-Jesus mirror and then look at what he's done in our life. He's calling you to turn from anything and everything else in life and trust in him and his gospel. Wait a minute. What, what, are, you, what, what are you saying? Everything else will fall into place if we follow Jesus. That's the reality. 
Here's, here's the cool part. I love my wife with all of my heart. You, you follow us on Facebook, you're going to make fun of us because we're so gooey and, you know, romantic and all that other stuff. I try, man, men, just learn, right? More men. Right, just, just do that. But my wife's not number one. Jesus is number one. But guess what? Because Jesus is number one, my wife is number one. Are you with me? Everything else falls into place when we say yes to Jesus and we follow Jesus. By the way, babe, my wife, my kids are at sick or sick at home, and so I love you. Thank you. Don't. That was. I, I said the good stuff. Like you're number one. Are you with me? But Jesus is first. You guys are looking. She's not over there. She's online. But you know, she's she is. She's online. All right. So, are you with me? Like G, everything else comes second to Jesus. Maybe I did have too much coffee, Emily. I don't know. It's a personal call, but it's also a missional call. Jesus didn't save us and then say, leave your tushies on the bench. He doesn't do that. He's calling them and he's calling us to be fishers of men, spending time with Jesus, following Jesus. When we do that, it will lead to us being on mission. They go hand in hand. He has the good news for all of the world. He has the gospel, the best news ever, the life we were intended to live. And he's using us and calling us to become fishers of men so that the rest of the world can hear that. God may have used someone else to lead you to Jesus. You ever think about that? Like, you know, it would have been really cool to have that, that, that road to Damascus experience like, like Paul had. But I think about people that had the influence in my life. I think about pastors and Sunday school teachers and, 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 and just friends. But I think about my dad. Right? I think about my dad in my life and his dedication to make sure I knew Jesus. And I learned from that. There's not a night that goes by that I don't pray over my kids that they'll grow up to know Jesus. His dedication to make sure that I knew the Savior, that I knew his love for me and the sacrifice he made for me. He made sure that I knew that even though I was a sinner, Jesus came and died for my sins and he rose again. He made sure to let me know, son, you have to respond to Jesus. Just because I'm a Christian doesn't make you one. You have to decide. You have to trust in Jesus yourself. Are you with me, parents? Amen. That's good stuff. That's, that's their decision to make. But they, Jesus has given them that personal call as well. You, he says, Jeff, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he came for you anyway. My dad was a fisher of men, right? Taking the gospel of Jesus to me, his son, so that I could know Christ and be saved. Jesus is calling these men here and he's still calling us to allow him to make us into fishers of men. Notice in verse 18, Jesus calls Simon and Andrew. He gives them that personal call and that mission of call and it says this, immediately they left their nets and followed him. They didn't say, all right, God, I got to get my finances in order, right? I got to work some things out. Immediately, James and John, how did they do? Immediately he called them and they left and went away and followed him. There's evidence here that they're repenting and turning to Jesus and believing in the gospel. And notice they leave what they are doing. They had good jobs. They're taking care of their families. They're buying the new Nintendo games. Right? And the new iPhones. But it was that important. It's a radical change in your life. Now we know that Jesus isn't calling everyone to leave their school, their job, their daily life to go somewhere else. But this is a call, and when we answer that, to trust him if he does that. Are you hearing me? Yeah? Jesus uses us each and every day. I mean, think about it. How many people are in here, but how many people do you come in contact with outside of these walls, right? 
Life happens at work. It happens at home. It happens in our communities, at our kids' ball games and dance recitals. Church, you are where you are, not by accident, but because God has sovereignly placed you there. You have the neighbors you have, the kids you have, the spouse you have, the friends you have, the co-workers and classmates you have, because God has placed you with them, and he has chosen you. If you know Jesus, he has chosen you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Amen. And he's saying, hey, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So the call to follow Jesus, and then the call to share Jesus and the gospel. Church, let me, let me say this, and you guys hear me out this one. It is always a call to do it where you are. No matter where you are, there is always a call to make disciples no matter where you are. And it may look a little bit different. I never in a million years would have thought we would leave Kansas City and move to Tucson. But I'm so glad he called us and I'm so glad that we were obedient to that. You never know what God is going to do through you. We can trust Jesus, church, even though he calls us to do something radical. Right? Luke 9, verse uh, 23, Jesus says this, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. I don't know, Jesus, I'm an American, I have rights. Right? He says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. The fishermen, they didn't know where he was going to lead them, but they knew it was worth it. They denied themselves and says, I trust you, Jesus, let's go. They didn't have a map. They didn't have the the menu for their lunch laid out. They didn't know if they were going to have a place to lay their head or what they were going to eat, but they knew they would be with Jesus, and that was enough. They knew that they were going to be with Jesus and what he was calling them to do, and so they said, yes, we're going to set ourselves aside, and we're going to seek Jesus, and we must do the same thing to share the gospel. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Here it is, church. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned. That includes all of us. We're going to do a baptism with a young lady here in just a little bit. And I asked her what this meant. Right? I asked her, what does this mean for all have sinned? And her response, let me, let me see, what, what did she say? She said this. I said, what does it mean that all have sinned? She said, it's the whole world. We've all done it. Right? That's a good word, man. She's, she's recognizing her need for Jesus. Romans 6.23 tells us a little more. For the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is eternal separation from a perfect and holy God in a place called, a real place called hell. It's not fictitious. It's not made up to scare you. It is real. People say, well, that's messed up, dude. Why would Jesus send me to hell? That's messed up. Why would a loving God send people to hell? That's just it. That's on us. Right? He isn't sending anyone to hell, right? We were already on our way there. And he steps in because of our sin. He steps in. He's a loving God, and because of his love, Jesus came. He is the good news, church. He's the one that came to give us his life in our place. Like he took, he he gave his life in our place. He's the one that came to be our sacrifice. Salvation is only available through him. Forgiveness is only available through him. The new life is only available through him. He's the one that makes a way for us to have a restored relationship with God. You guys remember Billy Graham? You know, he kept telling his kids and kept telling the world over and over again, it's okay, I'm ready whenever God calls me because I'm going to be in heaven with, with him for eternity. The only way to heaven with Jesus is through Jesus Christ. Are you with me? He did that. Jesus came and died and rose again for you because he loves you. And he's saying, all you have to do is repent. Turn from your sin, turn to me. All you have to do is believe in the gospel. Turn to Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in the good news. And so he offers that call, follow me. 
right? Follow me. And if we're sitting here today and we, and, and we responded like the fishermen, man, they followed Jesus unconditionally, right? They put that unconditional yes out there. Man, we repent, we believe, we trust you, we're going to follow you, and Jesus made them fishers of men. If you're sitting here today, the Bible makes it very clear that we will have an opportunity to give our life to Jesus. Is Jesus calling you? Your response is one of two things. You're either going to say yes to Jesus or you're going to reject Jesus. Are you with me? Jesus doesn't give us a bunch of options. He's not politically correct. If you know me, I'm not politically correct either, right? But goodness sakes, man, Jesus is laying it out there for us and he's just saying, man, I want you to follow me. Come and be with me. Let me be your Lord and Savior. Stop chasing the dream. Stop chasing the money. Stop chasing the sex. Stop chasing the porn. Stop chasing this and that and the other thing. And follow me. Give your life to me. Right? Follow me. So know that that's there for you today. What's your response going to be? If you don't know Jesus today, what will your response be? Will you say yes to Jesus or will you reject Jesus? That's the options. Now for us that are sitting here today and we've, we've said yes to Jesus, we've been saved. I'm going to ask us two tough questions. Are we actually following Jesus? Are we actually following Jesus? Are we with him, spending time with him? Or are we too busy? Have we replaced time with him with something else? People say, I don't have time. God can do more. If we spend time with him, he can do more with 90% of your time than you can do with 100 Are we too busy? Have we replaced him with something else? So that's the first one. Are we, are we following him? And two, are we fishers of men? Here's a tough one. I ask myself this too. When is the last time we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? When's the last time we opened up our mouth as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, somebody that's received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and offered Jesus to someone else? This isn't a question to guilt anyone, not at all. That's not the thing. It's simply asking ourselves, are we being obedient to Jesus? Do we see others' eternity as important as ours? Do we have the sense of urgency to say, I get to share Jesus with them, not I have to share Jesus with them. Do we have that sense of urgency to say, I get to do that. Let me tell you how Jesus saved me and changed me. Let me tell you what he's done in my life or my dad's life or my kid's life or whoever's life. Let me tell you what he's done. When's the last time we did that? That's a tough one, right? Parents, grandparents, are we talking to our kiddos about Jesus? You've got a mission field right there that God says, man, I've given you this gift. Amen? Are we talking with our spouses? Are we talking with our neighbors? Are we talking to our friends? The Bible tells us that Jesus desires that all come to be saved, and he is using you to be a part of that. Are we following Jesus? Are we following, are we allowing Jesus to make us become fishers of men? Two things for us today. Let's have a radical trust in Jesus. We come in here today, we give Jesus our Sunday, and we take the rest of the week for ourselves. That's what happens, right? Are we trusting Jesus with our Sunday to Saturday? 
Let's have a radical trust in Jesus and let's have a radical obedience to the mission of Jesus. I will tell you what, if you share Jesus with someone, especially if they've, if they've come to know Christ, man, that will change your life, man. I just go nuts when I get to lead someone to Jesus. Ask Sam, I just like punch him, man. It's exciting. Are you with me? It's life changing to tell someone about Jesus. Let's radically trust in Jesus and radically obey the mission of Christ. Let's pray. Father.